Welcome back to the Missouri Chamber Capital Chat. I'm your host, Philip Arnzen. And today we are joined by an esteemed guest, Representative Sherry Gallick. Thanks for joining us today, Representative. You're welcome. Happy to be here. And then we also have uh, my esteemed colleagues, Heidi Geisbuehler-Sutherland. Good afternoon. And Kara Fortunes. Hi. And I should tell our listeners that Representative Sherry Gallick was named the Missouri Chamber uh, Freshman Legislator of the Year in the House due to her very astute and courageous work in the Capitol this year of being a leading pro-business legislator. And so we will be honoring Representative Gallick at our annual meeting, which is our 100th anniversary annual meeting. So it's pretty darn special this year. And that will be on November 9th. And that's in Kansas City. We have tickets available. Uh, we do a series of legislative awardees, but I would encourage any of our members who um, I'm sure have worked with Representative Gallic to attend and help us celebrate and honor this great award that she is so well deserving of. I'm very blessed and very fortunate. So thank you. Um, I'm very pro-business and I my goal is to grow the economy and to increase the workforce in a productive manner in the state of Missouri. Yep, and that's why Representative Gallick was one of our chamber pack endorsements in the 2022 election cycle. We are very happy to see her flourish in the legislature and do great things for the state. So before we dive into the issues, uh, Representative, if you want to give the audience just a little bit of background on kind of what you did before you were elected, and then also kind of what inspired you or what prompted you to want to run for the legislature? Well, I am from Missouri, born and raised, grew up in Independence, went to Porto Sage High School. I accredit a lot of things in my life to a teacher. Um, she saw things in me that I did not see in myself and encouraged me to go to college, which I did do. I, I went to Mizzou. I also went ahead and got my MBA, but I had a very good career. I was an executive in the food industry, in agriculture, predominantly in the meat industry, had a variety of positions, and I'm very grateful and very blessed. I feel very fortunate. I was asked by a former legislator to consider running. I prayed about it. I thought about it. And my biggest reason was that I wanted to make sure I was doing this for the right reasons. I wanted to make sure that I was doing it to serve and to do things for my community. I ran, it was a very competitive race. There were three people in the primary. I did win, obviously, and then the general was not as competitive. But again, I feel very fortunate to be here. Well, that's super interesting and in, in that you had a long career in the meat industry, which probably wasn't totally normal for women to have executive level positions in those times. So that's super encouraging and probably shows why you have so much courage in the legislature. Yes, I was usually the only woman in management in most of my jobs. So, Well, we're definitely glad to have you um, in the Missouri legislature. And so that kind of parlays right into, uh, you know, why you're down in Jefferson City. What are your priorities and what are your goals uh, while you're in the House over the next, I guess, uh, seven sessions? Because this year, the only kind of legislation you filed was a resolution to congratulate the Chiefs for their Super Bowl win. What's your goal whenever you're serving in the Missouri House? Well, I have learned usually to sit back and observe whatever my surroundings are, whether it be in a work environment or in the House. I did have ideas, and quite frankly, I had a couple of bills in mind, but found out that some other people were filing them. 
So I sat back and observed. I listened. I learned. I did co-sponsor several bills. Eight of them were signed into law, the first one being um, for physical therapists. All the surrounding states, as a physical therapist, you have a bigger scope of practice. And Missouri finally passed that, where you can go directly to a physical therapist without having a doctor's prescription. There are limitations on that. You can only go up to 10 visits, and the physical therapist is required to communicate with the doctor. And if there is something that they are not improving on, they are supposed to refer them to a doctor. But this does speed up the process of people trying to get in the doc and sitting there and waiting and getting worse before they can go to a physical therapist. Another big bill that I was really excited about is the Show Me Act, which brings production and entertainment back to Missouri. We will now have tax credits. I don't know if a lot of people are aware, but Hallmark is in Kansas City and Hallmark films a lot of their movies in Canada for that mere reasons, because in Missouri, we do not have tax credits. Ozark, that was filmed in Georgia. And then also, I don't know if anybody is familiar with Tulsa Kings, but that was originally Kansas City Kings and we had no tax credits, so they went to a bordering state. So I'm very excited about that because I think that will keep a lot more people in state um, that might graduate with degrees that are relevant in that field and they might stay in Missouri now. Well, I also would be a huge fan of more uh, Hallmark Christmas movies being filmed in Missouri. It's one of my guilty pleasures during uh, the, during Christmas. So Philip loves a good rom-com, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Um, so some of the other issues, too, that you've been pretty vocal on and been supportive of is uh, particularly on child care. What are your thoughts on kind of the child care problem we have right now? Lack of access, uh, lack of quality child care and the impact on our workforce. Uh, do you have any experience uh, dealing with that kind of in the private sector? And then any thoughts uh, as you've moved into, you know, working down in Jefferson City? Uh, that is a very complex issue. I wish I had the solution, but I don't. So I'm still listening. But I can tell you I've experienced it. I lived in a few other states during my career. And I was a single parent for 11 years. And I just personally believe that the single most important thing that you can do is to raise a child. If you have a child, that should be your priority. And there are not enough places for people to have peace of mind that they're leaving their child um, with somebody that they trust. So child care is a huge issue. I took a step, a lateral move back to Missouri for that mere reason. I was a single parent. I needed help. It was very hard when you didn't have any family or any um, support system out of state. So that's one of the reasons that I I, I moved back to Missouri. That's exactly what we hear from a lot of our businesses who are chamber members is that if their employees don't have a support system who is around to offer that free child care, and there are no child care possibilities in their areas, whether it's just because all of the child care centers are full, because we know an access issue is really, really big there as far as waiting lists, or if they just don't have child care facilities, period. If you're in a rural area, it's really tough to find that stuff. Then a lot of people have to stay home because they just can't come into work because there is no child care available. So. Your experience is what we hear from a lot of our businesses who are dealing with employees who are facing the same things. If you're going to do a job, 
and do it well. You need to have that, that peace of mind that your child is being taken care of in the right way. There is not adequate child care and child care is extremely expensive. I was fortunate that I could afford it, but a lot of people that have jobs that don't pay well, they cannot afford child care. So that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. And I think too, part of some of the discussion that gets lost is even those with support systems, you know, they're choosing one of the parents or a grandparent or relative is going to have to not work or take a totally opposite schedule in order to take care of the kid, you know, take care of their kids. And that also puts families in a very difficult situation as well. Again, you're taking somebody out of the workforce, you're keeping somebody from a, making an income, and then also moving themselves up in a career on an issue that, you know, we should be working very diligently to try and solve. You know, we're hoping we can continue to make more progress on that. Um, this year, there was a hundred plus million dollars in the budget for child care reimbursement, but we're going to need to keep doing quite a bit more in order to really just chip away at the problem and have accessible child care for all families in Missouri. I'm actually at a national conference of all the state chambers across the U.S. that are here right now, and a big topic has been child care. And some of our speakers and economic experts have shared, you know, the U.S. as a whole, it's a big population decline. And not only do we have a whole generation that's retiring with less people to fill jobs, it, it is a workforce crisis. And the states that get the child care piece of the puzzle right are the states that are going to grow, both in terms of workforce and in terms of economics. And so that's why we're seeing, you know, this is truly a bipartisan issue. You have Republican-led states working on child care, and you have Democratic-led states working on child care. And we're all kind of competing against one another for those jobs. And so I think that's why this is so important, just keep hammering on the message, this is an economic issue. And if we want Missouri to win, and to lead, which we absolutely do, child care is such an important piece of that puzzle to tackle. Agree. It's a huge issue, huge issue. We do need to do something. It's also very important to the governor. So hopefully we will get something done this year in the next session. Yeah. And another thing, as Kara had mentioned, with stagnant or minimal growth in population, Missouri is not immune to that. Another thing we're going to have to do is make sure that the folks we do have in our state are able to be as productive as possible. And so we've really been a strong advocates uh, pushing for workforce development in the state, which is a large issue. Um, and there's a lot of different pieces to that. You've got K through 12 education, you've got higher education, which includes everything from four-year universities to community colleges and also short-term training. Representative, again, as your kind of your experience not just working in the private sector, but being in a leadership role and being in management, you understand as well as anybody the importance of having a competent workforce. So what do you view as kind of the, the biggest challenges that we face in Missouri and the nation on that front? And you know, what do you think some of those solutions would look like? Well, as you mentioned, workforce development and the lack of workers is a huge issue. One of the things that I actually have done this summer is just looked at different professions and where we are with the surrounding states. And most of the time we we're at the bottom. I dealt with a bill last year that was about licensing. Different cities had different permits. We talked about doing a statewide license because other states do that. People might go across the border and work over there because it's easier. 
Um, another one is the scope of practice that you can do. Some of the nurses are the NPs. We're losing new graduates and workers that could fill jobs in Missouri to other states. So um, you always need to look at your competitive advantage. And right now we don't have one in some circumstances. So that's something that needs to be explored. We did pass a bill. It was House Bill 417, which does give small and mid-sized businesses a leg up. They can now get a grant for employees to give them an upscale advantage. There are certifications that you can get for manufacturing, for technology, for a few other professions. Yeah, 417 was one of the Missouri Chamber's priorities. Again, you voted for so many things that the business community cared really, really deeply about. And we were thrilled to see that pass, especially whenever, as Kara mentioned, we don't have a ton of new workers coming into Missouri. We are relying on the employees and the workers that we already have. So making it easier for businesses to be able to help their employees get a certificate to maybe move up, get a promotion, help the business in other ways. That was awesome. We were thrilled to see you guys pass that. There's a lot of regulations that we still need to look at because it handcuffs some professions. So there's a lot of things that we still need to do in Missouri. And for our listeners, we did not plant, you know, bringing up House Bill 417 in the upscale credential. So folks are actually, you know, hearing about it and are excited about it. I have had a few small businesses reach out to my office and ask me how they can get involved. So uh, people do know about it and they're excited. Glad to see that it's already just went into law actually yesterday. And we're glad to see there's already quite a bit of interest out there. So another issue, too, that you were really supportive and helpful on was there's this kind of view in the legislature now, well, we don't like what a business does, so we're going to try to mandate to keep them from doing it. One of those issues that came up, and as a freshman, you got thrown right into the fire, was House Bill 1169, which was the crazy bill that would require any food that was sold into Missouri to be labeled as possibly gene altering or gene therapy. There were a bunch of people on Twitter that were spreading it and causing a whole bunch of problems. And you, as your first year down in the Capitol, were getting bombarded with emails and phone calls and maybe even people showing up at, you know, in the Capitol. You were a really strong member in the committee on that and a solid no vote. What's your recollection of working on 1169 and, you know, especially as your first year? Some people, when they look at a bill or they look at a headline, they don't look in depth to see the unintended consequences that can come from that bill. I never thought that my career in the meat industry would be important. I did believe that my business background would be important, but I never thought that the bulk of my career would come into play, which it did. I was very vocal in that committee. First of all, it was false. Everything that they were saying was not true. But the bigger issue is it would have damaged the agriculture industry, and that is a huge industry in our state. Also, the bill, when you talk about labeling things different, they were going after anything that was genetically modified. And to be honest with you, most things are genetically modified. An apple, seedless grapes, you know, your grass is even modified. Um, the other thing is the ease of doing business in Missouri. I was very vocal on that as well because I was in charge of product development at one point in my life. And if some certain states are too hard to do business with, a company can just say, well, I'm not going to ship my product there. 
I'm going to do business in Kansas or Oklahoma. I'm not doing business in Missouri. So I think we need to look at things more broadly with the bills that people are talking about and not just a headline or um, one certain circumstance. There's a lot of unintended consequences that come with some of these bills. Yeah, and it's it's really fortunate to have legislators, especially down in the committee level, because, you know, they're under 20 people. And so being able to have somebody with expertise, such as yourself on the committees, it says, look, I actually work directly in this. If this, you know, becomes law, I know exactly how it's going to impact, you know, the meat industry and the food industry in Missouri. And there's not many people down there that are able to really articulate that and really have lived that experience to be able to convey that, especially in a committee on such a such a contentious bill. Some of the people that were on the committee did receive threats, which was very disheartening. We are all down there trying to do our best, and there was no reason to threaten people, but it did happen. And to my mm-hmm. knowledge, from talking to people in other states, we are the only state that heard that bill. That bill was yeah. introduced in other states, but no other state even put it through to a committee. Yeah, we're glad we were able to uh, kind of get that bill stopped in committee and didn't have to really deal with it on the floor or mess with it over on the Senate side. So kind of looking forward to next session, what are going to be your priorities next year? And then what do you kind of expect from a legislative or budget standpoint to get across the finish line? I have several. Um, I am very interested in child care since I experienced it and can speak to it. So I'm going to be exploring that further. Law enforcement bills. I have a couple of bills in mind that I've actually been working on. One is a fentanyl bill to increase the penalties of the fentanyl distributors. I have participated in a fentanyl forum and actually I'm holding a fentanyl forum in November in Bates County. And this is a huge issue. So that's one of the big big bills that I do want to work on. The scope of practice, that's another bill. I've had different professions come to me and talk talk to me about workforce and the scope of practice. I don't want to see people leave the state. I want our economy to prosper. So I want people to stay here and to work in Missouri, not to go to Kansas or to Illinois. So that's another one that that is very important to me. Those are all definitely hot topics, and those are uh, definitely topics that, you know, we've been hearing about in the last few years, Uh, but I do know, especially on fentanyl, you know, it's just, it's taken over, and every time you read the news, there's another overdose or another person getting busted with, with enough fentanyl to kill literally thousands or millions of people, and so it is a huge problem. Yeah, and and fentanyl, since we can't close the border, a lot of it is awareness and prevention Mm -hmm. Making the laws stricter. Speaking of scope of practice, that's something that we hear about really frequently whenever we talk about healthcare access. And it's usually related to APRNs, but I know, like you mentioned earlier, it also applies to a lot of other healthcare professionals like physical therapists. The nurses have come to me, so I I I am looking into that. But even if you look at contractors, there are different bills for contractors that that might help. The workforce and help businesses. There's issues with different permits in different cities. In a lot of states, you only have to have a state license or a state permit instead of the different cities. So that's something that we might have to look at and and try to streamline that. There are a ton of different professions. There's a lot of requirements. Some are outdated. We need to dive into a lot of that. 
licensure is a really hairy issue. And I know in a former life, Philip also used to deal with professional licensure in Missouri as well. Yeah, I worked at a division of professional registration, which I think over half a million people uh, are in a licensed profession in Missouri. But the scope of practice discussions would sometimes get uh, you know pretty heated and they would get pretty complicated as well. But there are a lot of good things that can be done. One of the things that we saw during COVID were some of the weaknesses, particularly in licensing and in regulations that, you know what, maybe we could make some changes to without seeing any negative consequences. It's very different if you're in a large city versus a rural community, because some of those people, they may not have the the labor to do the jobs. So it's very hard to stroke everything with a broad brush when actually you're looking at individual cities or individuals. So I think we need to, to be more open-minded and I th believe that we need to think about unintended consequences a lot of times when we're passing some of the mandates. I mean, that's our let business decide motto. That's mm -hmm. really the, the core point of it is, you know, what works in one industry may not work in another and you can't look at it and say, paint everything with a broad brush. You're exactly right on that. I've always believed that if you are a private business, for the most part, people have put their um, life on hold. They started a business. More than likely, they did not take very much money in the beginning. And to come in and tell businesses what to do is just um, overreaching in many circumstances, if you ask me. No, we, we agree. And that's a constant battle. And it seems like it's something we're having to do more and more. But we'll continue to be there in the middle of the fight. And uh, we know you'll be right there with us as well, Representative. So yep. as we're wrapping up here, do you have anything else you want to share with our listeners? I look forward to 2024 again. I, I didn't file bills last year because I wanted to learn. Now I believe that I, I sat back, I listened, I learned. I'm going to do my homework and the bills that I do file, I will be educated on and hopefully get them across the finish line. We're excited. Awesome. Yeah, we love to hear it. And we're excited to uh, see uh, what you file when, you know, filing starts on December 1st and ends at the end of March, I believe. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. We always enjoy having our uh, business champions on here and uh, getting to know uh, those who represent us down in Jefferson City. And uh, hope you enjoyed the latest edition of Missouri Chamber Capital Chat.